Welcome to another installment of Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Rosebro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ. This is the channel that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. So maybe you're attending a church, a big box mega church, or like medium-sized mega church, general evangelical-ish, and you're thinking, you know, something ain't right here. Something's wrong. And you can't quite put your finger on it, but you know that as you listen to sermon after sermon after sermon, you're noticing that they're they're doing something funny with the biblical texts, if they even get to them at all. And that is, is that they're not actually telling you what's in those texts and proclaiming what's revealed to them, to you and I there in those texts. Instead, they're, it's like they're taking the biblical text and then like overlaying them over, you know, your life or the life of the pastor. And, and, and you know that something ain't right about it. Well, it becomes really obvious two times a year that this is really what's uh, taking place. Now, you can also find it other times of the year, but I always like to point it out during either Christmas or Easter because, well, false teachers, they don't preach Christ. <clears throat> No, they preach you or they preach themselves and they do all kinds of weird things with the biblical text. And so it becomes super obvious because what you, sh you know what you're expecting to hear at Christmas and Easter. And if you're not hearing it because, you know, the Bible teaches very clearly what the point of, uh, of the birth of our Savior is all about, well, then you realize you may actually be uh, under the sway or under, uh, under the umbrella of a false teacher, somebody that Scripture tells you you should not be under, by the way. So all that being said, what we're going to do, we're going to head over to the YouTube channel for Real Talk Kim, uh, whirling up the desktop here. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> she looks like a Disney villainess. I mean, this is this is her Corella Deville vestments that she's uh, wearing here. Uh, is that Dalmatian print? What is that? Anyway, uh, we're going to be listening to. Uh, she's been doing a uh, sermon series on the uh, on uh, on well Christmas movies, and she'll will, she will be preaching on the movie Home Alone which I think is her heretical on so many different levels. Uh, if you're going to preach on, you know, a Christmas movie, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. But if you're going to do it, it's got to be Home Alone too. I, I, I'm just saying. All right. So all that being said, we're going to listen to a portion of this thing. And I might speed it up partway through just to kind of, yeah, so that we can get through a bigger chunk of it. And we're going to note what she's going to do with the biblical text when she finally gets to them. And let's just kind of, let's, let's let her serve as a warning to us all about how false teachers twist scripture. This is one of the common ways in which they twist scripture. And yes, Real Talk Kim is a false teacher. And if you are attending this church or you are attending conferences that are inviting this woman to be a speaker, run, run. She's not pointing you to Christ. She's, in fact, by even preaching a sermon, she's in direct rebellion to clear prohibitions written in the word of God. So you get the idea. But let's listen to what she does with this uh, Christmas sermon based on the movie Home Alone. So we've been in a whole series this month called uh, Christmas at the Movies. Now, I ain't going to lie to y'all, okay? I made the mistake of watching Apostle last Sunday. And I'm like, oh dear God. Cause I think I am too. 
There are no modern day apostles. So I, I don't know which apostle she thought she was listening to, but it wasn't Paul. It wasn't Peter or John. <laughs> I don't know which apostle she was listening to, but it was a false apostle for sure. Spiritual for these kind of sermons, okay? Just kidding. I do think I'm a little bit. I'm like, how am I going to turn a clip into a sermon? But I. <laughs> You're not supposed to. How am I going to turn a clip into a sermon? So let's talk again about the requirements, the job of a pastor. Second Timothy chapter, I'll go to chapter three. And uh, important bit here, but uh, watch what Paul says to young Pastor Timothy. Paul's getting ready to die. He's going to be martyred for the Christian faith and his, um, and his confession of Christ as Lord and Savior. And so Paul says to young Pastor Timothy in one of the pastoral epistles, this is still applicable to all pastors, you, however, you've followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my suffering that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured for, uh, from them all, the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters they seem to be a plenty nowadays. Uh, they will go on from being bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with what? The sacred writings, the scriptures, the Bible, which they are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom, watch this, preach the word. You don't get to preach Kevin McAllister. I'm sorry. You don't get to preach movie clips. You get to preach the word. Job of a pastor is to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. They will wander away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. Case in point... This, okay? <laughs> Female pastors are a myth. They are a direct violation of Scripture. Straight out. Men are to be pastors. They are to preach. And they're supposed to preach the word. I mean, so already there are so many red flags here. Have you, have you noticed that uh, on, uh, on TikTok and on uh, Instagram, on the Instagram reels, that there's uh, always this relationship advice that shows up in the, in the feed. Uh, you, know, you know, and here are red flags to look for in your particular relationship. You know, if your guy does this or if a gal does that, red flag, red flag, red flag, and they like fly off your screen and hit you in the face. We are just a few seconds into her sermon, and there are so many red flags here that, uh, you know, if the only way you can miss them, and I mean this, is because you don't know your Bible. It's just, it's just a fact. And you're not going to learn the scriptures from her. It ain't going to happen. No. So let's keep going. I got this thing. So I'm going to need you to buckle your seatbelt. 
Cruella DeVille. I'm ready for this. Y'all ready for this? Just come on, buckle it. Buckle it, buckle it, buckle it. Here we go. I'm going to go from, he said click. I'm going to go from Luke. We're going to start at Luke. We're going to start at verse 1. My clips are coming from Home Alone. Have y'all seen Home Alone? Anybody Home Alone? Anybody Kevin? Anybody Kevin? So, So let me see if I have this straight. Kevin McAllister is the star of this sermon, not Jesus Christ. He's the draw, not Jesus. Got it. Anybody, Kevin? Y'all like, girl, I didn't even watch it. Y'all gonna wanna go watch this when I'm done. All right? Home Alone, there's Kevin, and Kevin is, I just like, I understand Kevin, because I always felt like that I was the one getting left out. Anybody got that victim in your own story, bad spirit? That was me. I was a victim in my own story. I'm a girl. I should have been born a a boy. I could have been a preacher because I was raised in a religion that said you can't do none of that. No, it's actually the Bible that says that, not, not religion. Scripture says that. I was Kevin. Y'all remember, in one of these clips, you're going to... By the way, we'll put a link, uh, you know, to one of our previous YouTube videos on Beth Moore being an autonomian. In that YouTube video, I walk through all the biblical texts that explain that women cannot, they are prohibited from being pastors and exercise authority over a man. So we might even be able to put it like, you know, up in one of the corners or whatever. But again, it's one of the previous videos that we've done on on, on Beth Moore and her being an autonomia. See, Kevin comes down, now you're going to see that because I, sh- I shorten the clips. But he comes downstairs and he says, where's the cheese pizza? And Buzz, his bully brother, says, get it out of my belly. Right? Get it, get it. And there's some cheese pizza. And Kevin is set up in this moment where he's feeling like, man, I'm not even important enough for this. Now, I'm going to say the clips to the end. So I'm going to start with the spiritual stuff at the front. Are y'all ready? Say ready. ready. Now, I'm going to need y'all to talk back to me. Okay? That's what we're going to do because I'm home. All right? And I heard y'all yelling him down last Sunday. I was like, oh, y'all done did it. Now I'm going to take my shoes and my earrings off and start throwing them at each of you. Luke 2, starting at verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, agreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius. Quirinius. Boom. Shagalaga. I said it. I said it. I didn't even call him Q. Key Irenaeus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child ain't no married ring on her ain't ain't, ain't nothing Uh, she's betrothed um betrothals in the ancient world in you know first century judea uh the only way you can get out of a betrothal was a divorce so let let me do this all right let's take a look at a couple of texts we're going to take a look a couple of texts as it relates to the birth of christ so text number one Matthew chapter 1, and we'll start at verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ, 
uh, Christos is the anointed one, the Messiah. The birth of the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, and this is a legally binding marriage contract, even though they had not consummated the marriage. When his mother, uh, mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, note, he's already her husband, even though the marriage is not consummated. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. They weren't shacking up. They weren't formal caboodling. They were but formally betrothed. And the betrothal period ends with the wedding feast and the wedding and the marriage ceremony and the finally the consummation of the marriage. But betrothals can only end in divorce. It is legally binding. You know, nowadays you, you think about people, they get engaged, uh, but you can, you can break off an engagement without having to go to court. Not so in the ancient world. Uh, in the ancient world, in, in Judea at this time, if you're betrothed, the only way out of it is a divorce. So he, was, he decided to resolve to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, Jesus is the, the Greek transliteration of the Hebrew name Yeshua, uh, the Lord saves. We also get the name Joshua from it. And so Jesus's Hebrew name is Yeshua, and it means Yahweh saves. And so you will call his name Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus, Yeshua. All right. So all of that being said, that that's the 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 initial part that's super simple, but she is supposedly preaching from Luke 2. So let's take a look at this portion of the scripture. And you're going to note here that already she's saying, well, you know, Mary didn't have a ring on it. That means that this woman has not studied, has not shown herself approved. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Uh, a betrothal is a legally binding marriage contract and although they haven't consummated the marriage yet, Mary is legally already the wife of Joseph. You get the idea. So in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. So here we got the details of what happens after the angel appears to Joseph. Uh, they're they're going to be taxed, and they have to go to Bethlehem to be taxed. And look at Joseph, uh, the uh, legal father of Je Jesus, not the biological father of Jesus. He's of the house and the lineage of David, which means he is the legal heir to the Davidic throne. Big things here. In fact, you'll note that the angel uh, back in Matthew chapter 1 referred to Joseph as the son of David. Huge, impactful words. The, the meaning is clear. Jesus, the, uh, the legal son of Joseph, is to be the, uh, you know, the heir to the throne of David. That's the idea, all right? 
So while they were there, the time uh, came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord, Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Note that the birth of our savior, Jesus Christ, the angels announced it to shepherds. What was David? He was a shepherd boy, right? It's, it's as if God remembers the lineage of David and that before he was the king of Israel, he was a shepherd. And so the shepherds of Bethlehem, they get the appearance of these angels and they proclaim to them peace, that they should not be afraid. And unto them, unto you, unto me is born a savior. And that's exactly what you and I need. This is a fulfillment of the promise that God gave to Adam and Eve in the, in the garden when he was doling out the punishment for our rebellion against God after listening to the serpent. He said to the serpent that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And in the process, he would have his heel bruised. In other words, crush his head, destroy his dominion and his power. And that's what Christ has done. He has come to save us from the dominion of darkness, sin, death, the devil, to set us free, to forgive us, to reconcile us to God. Oh yeah, we all need a savior. And the fact that God has heard our pleas and our groanings under the dominion of darkness and has sent Jesus to set us free, to conquer the devil. It's huge, right? And so it results in these glorious words, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, peace, shalom with those with whom God is pleased. So when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the story of the redemption of humanity. God himself is now in, in human flesh and well, born of a virgin, born under the law. He has humbled himself so that we can be forgiven. He will become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the great lengths that God has demonstrated his love for us so that we can be set free. And rather than get what we deserve, we can get mercy, forgiveness, pardon, and grace. I mean, what a great gift we have in Jesus, the Savior of the world being born. Well, let's go back to uh, <clears throat> Real Talk Kim and see what she does with this text. Catch the details. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snuggling in stripes of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. She could have said, like some of us, 
they're not giving me a room because of my condition. Right? What are you talking about? I'm always left out. (laughs) You're missing the whole point. The birth of our Savior is what this text is, is recording. The long-expected Jesus, the one the prophets told us about, the one Moses told us about in Deuteronomy 18, the one uh, Isaiah told us about, you know, that he would be born of the virgin and that we would call him Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah, that, you know, mm, and that he would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, right? That one. Because I didn't ask for this. Isaiah said that he would bear our sins and our iniquity. God had laid on him the iniquity of us all so that we can have peace with God. And you're talking about Mary as if somehow she's a spoiled and entitled millennial or a Gen Z girl, you know, going, well, no one ever remembers me. What about room service and stuff? Oh, my goodness. Anybody in this room ever been at that place where something was avoidable or something you didn't even ask for? All of a sudden you're been had some of you were born into families like that where you ain't got no chance with this family and all of a sudden you're trying to break the generational curse generational curses this, anybody who's a christian there are no generational curses for christians but she's standing there and she could have easily turned into that place of becoming a victim it says and that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep suddenly An angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring joy, great joy to all people. Verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Ain't it so cool how God can put you on even when you feel like you are in the bad corner? What are you talking about? Okay, you know, the red flags, I mean, just they're flying everywhere at this point. Listen to the last part of the verse. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. She leaves off at this sentence and then jumps in to talk about them, to talk about you, to talk about her. Do you not get what's going on here? The angels have proclaimed the birth of our Messiah, our Savior. And do you want to talk about yourself? What? The Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Ain't it so cool how God can put you on? The story of the birth of Christ is not some kind of a pattern that we're supposed to look at how God works in the lives of human beings and how he presently is working in my life. Even when you feel like you are in the bad corner, he was fixing this situation. This is how some of you are going to see in the next couple of weeks. He was fixing this situation. Are you kidding me? He sent Christ to fix the world. You're going to watch as God takes that bad situation because he trusted you in a crisis. And now he goes and he, he, there's no commercials, there's no TV, but he is somehow going to use a star to let the world know, right? 
that the Messiah is being born. He says in verse 12, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in stripes of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. With the angels, when the angels had returned. By the way, everything that this woman is doing shows that she has no clue how to rightly exegete a passage, which is evident because she needs to maybe exegete like First Timothy 2 or the end part of First Corinthians 14, you know. Turn to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. The the best part of the sermon so far is the fact she's even reading a text. You know, (laughs) so you got to give her some credit, like half credit by the fact that, you know, well, you know, if you just didn't listen to her and you listened to her reading the text, at least you heard the Christmas story, right? All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. Everybody that hears your story, you had to go through what you went through. So <sighs> Everybody who hears my story is astonished. This is called narcissus. Okay, now let me explain. Exegesis is reading out what's there in the text. That's what pastors are supposed to do. They're supposed to preach the word and give the proper sense of its meaning. Eisegesis is when you read something into the text that ain't there. All right. That's a, that's a bad form of, of twisting the Bible. But this is a special kind. Narcissistically eisegeting yourself into this text. That's called narcissus. And boy, is she really good at it. She, this isn't about me. It's about what God has done to save me. This isn't about you. This is about what God is doing to save you in sending a savior. Listen Boy, again. was astonished. Everybody that hears your story, you had to go through what you went through so that God could set you up. If you wouldn't have walked through that divorce, if you wouldn't have walked. This isn't about anybody in the 21st century having a divorce. Through that addiction, if you wouldn't have walked. This is about Christ coming and bleeding and dying for divorcees, for addicted people, for people who have been complete sinners their entire life, starting from their conception. Through that church hurt, if you wouldn't have walked through that bad doctor's report, how's he gonna set you up? He got a way, somebody say it, he's got a way of doing the miraculous. You think people sleeping on you, but God just let them get the rest. Yeah, this text has nothing to do with anything that you're talking about. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angels had told them. 2019, all the way through 2021. How many of you can believe that we're almost going into 2022? Like, y'all, we in Christmas. This text doesn't have anything to do with COVID or our lockdown. How did that happen? 
how is it possible that you are reading this into this text rather than actually exegeting what's there? Red flags galore. Have y'all watched the time hops on your Facebook? Where has it, I'm still trying to get my marbles from 2019. And we're already walking into 2022. And as disruptive as 2019 through 2021 has been, it is helpful to remember the Christmas story begins by telling us Jesus was born in dark, unsettling times. God does the most. He is, y'all, I think he extra. You know what I'm saying? He gotta be extra, Jerry. He's gotta be extra that he can walk through and just put the stars and the moon. He can make 7.7 billion people. All of us, some of us were big butts, some of us were no butts, some of us were fine. That's how. It's too much information. Extra he is. He was. So let me see if I have this straight. God is so extra that he gives some people big butts. Are you kidding me? What on earth does this have to do with the story, with the historical account of Christ, our Savior, the Son of God in human flesh being born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem? Born in unsettling times when key Irenus was God. Key Irenus? Governor of Cyrus. Sounds like a medical condition. Doctor, I got myself a bad case of Key Irenus. The Bible says in those days a decree went out. This decree mandated, now listen to this. Oh, I, I'm listening and, and I'm really loathing that I'm doing it. Mandated people disrupt their lives, COVID. This woman's clueless. She has zero skills in rightly handling God's word. You know why she's even a pastor? The, the, the reason is actually quite simple. Uh, we saw it in our text in, uh, <clears throat> in um, 2 Timothy chapter 4. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Mm -mm. Having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. The reason why she's even a thing is because she's really good at telling people what they want to hear. And she ain't preaching Christ. She's preaching you. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm just, you know, just saying that's the reason why she's as popular as she is. The pandemic, that cancer, that divorce, that bankruptcy. It mandated people disrupt their lives and return to the place of their ancestral homes. Isolation. So that they could be assessed for a huge tax increase. See, we think this just happened to us. I don't, I, I remember back when things were happening, my, my, I hear my grandpa walk around the house, oh, Jesus is coming back. That was 79 years ago. You're that old? But because of news and media and social media and everything else, all we see is the highlight reels. We don't realize, right? And then before long, the enemy's got us over here thinking that it ain't all that we think it's going to be. He's not a good, good father. So I said, go back to your homes because you're about to be taxed, which was over and above the already crippling tax that left most people on the brink of ruin. 
Their lives were governed by the whims of corrupt leaders who overtaxed people in every respect. So folks made do with hardly nothing. The most kind of seems like we've been living in that, don't it? I mean, so yeah, I, I have hit my limit as far as how much I can handle from real talk, Kim. So here's the issue. The fact that she's preaching is a visible reminder of her rebellion against the clear and explicit teachings of the word of God and prohibitions regarding the role of women in the church. The fact that she is incapable of even rightly understanding the history of what's going on in the text that she's supposedly preaching from, also like major strike. She didn't understand anything about how betrothal works. And then she can't even properly pronounce any of the names in the scripture. I mean, this is, and then she thinks that this has something to do with, well, a pattern that God's going to repeat in your life. God's going to do special things in your life because we've been locked up in COVID and stuff. Or maybe you, you've you gone through a divorce. God works through dark circumstances. This text is about the birth of our Savior who came to save us from the consequences of our rebellion against God, which is the thing that caused all these dark circumstances in the first place. I think you get the idea. This is so, she serves as an example. If when you attend your church this Christmas and they preach and this is the kind of stuff that they do with the text and they start monkeying and making about you and narsegeating, you know you're not rightly hearing God's word. And chances are you're not hearing it rightly taught any day of the year, especially Christmas or Easter. So let this just serve as an example of what to listen for and note, all of the red flags. There wasn't one. There wasn't like a half, you know, pink colored flag and all the rest were okay and just, just a little bit of twisting here. No, no. This was red flag after red flag after red flag after red flag. In fact, real talk, Kim, she pretty much just ruined Christmas. You, you get the idea. So if you found this helpful, all the information on how you can share the video is down below in the link. And uh, you know, may the Lord bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins, which begins with his virgin birth in Bethlehem. <laughs> Amen. Amen.